hell this is bad vibes. Tonight's video is on random true scary stories with no topic in particular. Joining me tonight is Let's Read. I was hiking in the Olympic National Forest a few years ago by myself and my two dogs. We were four days in, around 20 miles at least, as the crow flies from even a known mountain road. I was camping at 7k feet that night, right where the tree line started to thin out. So when you got to the campsite, there was a big open meadow on the top of the secondary mountain. It was about an hour from sunset. My big dog usually runs around within the proximity of the campsite as I put my tent up and made dinner, etc. But I noticed this time it was a little different. He kept staring up the steep tree filled mountainside, tail straight up and barking. Not the excited bark, high pitched barks, but unusual concerned barks. Now, the day before I found a note under a rock at the last landmark saying that there was a big bear problem in the area and that they were harassing a party of campers a few days ago and I myself had seen big cat tracks the day before so I was rightfully concerned that this may be more than just the ground squirrels. I decided to climb some of the boulders at the foot of the hill while I took my time looking up the hillsides for movement before I went to go hang up my bear bag up there. They were the only trees around to hang the bag. I didn't hear or see anything, but my dog kept quietly whining like there was something up there. So while concerned, I started hiking up the steep hill to hang the bag. It was so steep, I had to use the trees to balance and lean on so I didn't come tumbling down before making the five or six steps to push to the next tree so I could lean against it. Anyway, I'm slowly making my way up this ridge hopping from one tree to another tree to keep my balance. Then when I get about 100 feet up the hill, I hear a whole lot of movement about 50 feet in front of me. My dog immediately goes from a deep low howl to a savage slobbering flying everywhere type of barking now. My heart starts pounding on my chest and I start to panic. A million thoughts are racing through my head in a matter of seconds because if it is a bear, my dog is going to try to save me, in which he'll most likely die, and I'm stuck here. I have to get off this hillside fast. I almost 100% am going to trip and fall off this 12 to 15 foot cliff onto the boulders below, so I'm feeling pretty screwed about now. I then hear my other little dog start barking and freaking out down by the campsite, which was just out of sight. I had put her in my tent so that she wouldn't wander off while I was away. So yeah, I was absolutely panicking at this point. A few seconds later, I kind of snap back to it and I take a few seconds and start to put my survival priorities in order and call my dog back to me, low key by the way. He comes and sits against my feet and my back is against a tree. I'm kind of pinned and stuck there for a moment, but my dog was seemingly trying to separate me from something up there. So I let him lean against me for a while while I try to collect myself. This is when I realized I had completely forgot that I had a headlamp on. I reached up so fast to turn my headlamp on, I basically punched myself in the face. I was having some serious adrenaline dumps going on right then, so much that my knees are starting to shake. I get my headlamp on and peer up the hillside. I figured that I would at least get reflection off the eyes of whatever was up there, peering, but nothing. I just heard something 
We both did. Whatever it was didn't get away or sound like it moved too far. I knew something was there. So I'm kind of just steadfast at this point. I need to know what's up there because I have to sleep here tonight. You know, I'm out here in the middle of nowhere, alone. Better to face it than wait like a sitting duck all night in my thought process. So yeah, I'm looking up this hill and at one point my dog lunges forward, unpin me. He does a fake bluff charge up the hill, about 15 feet. And I mean he's snarling and foaming at the mouth at this point. As he does this, I finally see movement. Something moving up and breaking the line of the horizon sunset. My dog's bluff made whatever it was blow its cover. I'm zeroed in now. I call my dog back and slightly watch, and what I make out made my heart completely drop. There's a man crouched about 75 feet directly in front of me, not wearing camel clothes, but wearing some raggedy shit with a hood that blended into the environment perfectly. Actually, almost like a makeshift ghillie suit, but with his face exposed. I couldn't see his eyes, and his face was covered in dirt or something, but I knew that we were staring right back at each other that moment. So, I stare, for what seems like minutes. No words. I felt like I was trying to subconsciously convey that I was going to stand my ground. I wanted him to know that I saw him, but I guess I was too shaken up to speak. As I'm staring, my little dog back at the campsite started to bark her head off again, like she was scared. And I also had to get off this hill before total dark, or I could get seriously hurt and risk dying trying to get back down. So carefully, I start to head back down the hill with my dog, who doesn't want to leave, but listens. Periodically, I would stop with my back against a tree holding me up and look in the direction again, just to make it even more clear that I saw him. Eventually, I make it down to the boulders at the bottom. By the time I finally jumped down and hit the boulders, my little dog had stopped barking. I could only see the top of my tent from the bottom of the boulders. I thought she was barking just to bark. Dawson's do that. But when I get there, my little dog had somehow got out of the tent and was walking around the campsite growling with her tail sticking straight out. I was still trying to hold it together. I thought, okay, maybe she just got her nose between the zipper and worked her way out. But I was positive. I had zipped it so the zipper tap was at the very top of the tent door, out of reach. So in a mixture of being terrified, pissed off, and the feeling of needing to do something, I reached into my day bag and pulled out my 40 caliber. I fired a single shot into the air as the sun was setting, climbed into my tent without eating, and lay there with the gun next to me until first light. As soon as the sun came up, I was packing up my shit and leaving, heading back down the mountain. It sucks. It was all downhill back, but I still couldn't cover the ground to get to my car in one day. It was dark by the time I made up my last camp, about four miles from my vehicle, but thankfully, there were other people there. We sat around the fire they made, and I felt pretty relieved and safe. They start to tell me that they were planning on heading to where I was the night before, so I tell them my story in detail. Needless to say, we were both walking back to our cars in the morning. Screw all that. The thing that creeps me out to this day is when I got home and started reading reviews at the same place I was hiking on. Other people had similar experiences like mine. A man was even found dead from a fall from the same boulder range two years ago. 
and a woman was found murdered last year. So this happened to me a few years back in the summertime. Our house is located in a suburban area and to the left of our house the road ends at this small hill after which there's a small footpath through the forest which I've used since I was a kid to get out of school. The only time I ever come across anyone else on this path was the occasional dog walker and even that was quite rare. So this one evening I'm walking my dog down that path and ahead of me the path curved to the right so straight ahead there was just vegetation. I'm minding my business, not really paying attention to my surroundings, when I noticed an unusual black shape in the patch of blueberries, perhaps about 15 meters straight ahead of me. Once I focused on what that was, I stopped straight in my tracks, out of confusion. There was what appeared to be a person in full black clothing, sitting in the bushes, facing around 11 o'clock from my position. My dog was quiet and looking straight ahead and the leash accidentally gave away as my finger released the button locking the leash in place. This caused an audible and loud sound that made me cringe internally, though the figure in the trees gave no indication of having heard anything. There wasn't even any skin visible as this person had his hood over his head and I never saw any movement coming from them, despite the fact of the leash that would have been easily audible from that distance. After maybe a minute of staring at the figure, I turned around and quickly walked out of there. I still have no clue who that was exactly and what they were doing just sitting in full black clothing in a forest in summertime like that. Maybe it was just some depressed kid or something, but it definitely creeped me out in the circumstances and I've been quite wary of using that path in the dark after that encounter. I was walking my dog by a road. We were just about to enter my neighborhood. My dog is a really sweet dog. She is a 90 pound Great Pyrenees who can really look threatening, but on walks, she doesn't bark at anything. On the other side of the road, I saw a lady wearing all black. She was staring at me as I walked by. I looked around for something else that she could be staring at, but no, it was me. As soon as my dog saw the lady, she went off. She started trying to run across the street and attack the lady. The lady didn't even bat an eye. She just kept staring at me and then started to cross the street. At this point, I was freaked out. If my dog wanted to protect me from this woman, then there was something seriously wrong with her. I started running and surprisingly, she didn't stop to sniff anything. I think she could sense something was bad about that lady and I could kind of too. Thankfully, I made it home safe, but I still find it scary that she just kept watching me until we were out of her view. Maybe she wasn't dangerous, but my dog thought she was, and I trust her. I went to my friend's house who lives in a rural area where the nearest town is about 13 miles away. There's an abandoned house across from his house. The guy who lived there couldn't pay off his house, so he blew himself up, and the house has been abandoned for 23 years since. We snuck out, and I wanted to take a few photos for my Instagram and Snapchat. We were there for about 20 minutes in the pitch dark. Of course, we had torches. But we started hearing some noises, and it got creepy. 
and both of us got chills at the same time, so we decided to leave. So we go out and hop the fence, and I shine my torch down the dark alley road, and a guy in all black is standing there, with what looks like a knife in his hand. So we're looking at him, not wanting to run back to his house, because then he would know where we lived. We probably should have, since his dad has automatic rifles, but we both ran down the road anyway, and I looked back and he was running after us. We came upon a yard that construction workers would use to store some of their equipment and vehicles, so we hid there. The guy came in and looked around, but didn't find us, and all the while we heard him throwing and kicking stuff, while cursing loudly. He left, and we stayed there for a while, and then we went home. We couldn't sleep so we pulled the all-nighter and had two airsoft rifles next to us. We figured that if he found us and saw the guns, he wouldn't want to wait to find out if they were real or not. I haven't seen him since. When I was probably 13 years old, my parents went out to a restaurant for dinner and left me home alone for the night. I was hungry and didn't want any of the food in the pantry so I decided to go to the convenience store to get a bag of chips and a drink. I got on my bike and rode it there, and when I had got to the store, there were some guys by the bike rack that was around the side. With me being on a bike, I approached and started locking it up. There were three of them, and they were probably four or so years older than me. It looked like they were surveying the area. I heard one say, There's no cameras here. It's a good spot. And that made me nervous. Were they trying to steal my bike? Jump me, perhaps? I had no clue, and I was scared. After I started walking into the store, one confronted me and said, That's a nice bike you got there. I thanked him and tried to move forward, and he stopped me again. Mind if I give it a ride? I told him no and moved on. Sure enough, he walked back to the racks and I heard the chain sound, and I immediately knew he was trying to steal my bike. I went into the store and bought my things and came back out. There was a note on my bike reading, You're free this time, but next time better not run into us. I thought to myself that these guys were fucking illiterate and noticed that there was a small fire next to my bike. I then realized that they had poured gasoline all over my bike. I found a hose on the wall outside of the store and sprayed my bike down and the fire was out. I got on it and raced home. As I was leaving, I looked down and saw a pocket knife on the ground. For the next few days, all I could think was how lucky I was that I didn't get hurt. I worked in law enforcement for over 15 years. Small city, 5 square miles, 45k population that had seen better days and worse days. I was on patrol in the middle of a very quiet night and I see a kid walking through the redeveloping part of town. Lots of abandoned and condemned buildings and some active businesses in the century-old buildings being restored. This kid was kind of tall and overweight, but couldn't have been more than 12 years old or so. He was wearing a zippered hoodie, basketball shorts, and just socks on his feet. It's something that tends to pique the interest. So I turn around, catch up to the kid near the corner, he must have been running after I passed him to cover that distance. I step out and walk to talk to him. Another officer calls out that he's been waved down by a woman who was driving around looking for her grandson. I advised that I was probably out with him. 
The kid tries to ignore me and walk around, but I step into his path and tell him that he's going to have to stop pretending I'm not here. He says he doesn't know why he has to talk to me, and I say it's because a 10-year-old's walking in a ghost town, and it's 4 a.m., and that's something police are supposed to check up on. He corrects me that he's 11, then he says that he's 16, which he was certainly not. He doesn't even know his birthday and tells me that his name is LeBron James. He said that he was on his way to play video games at a friend's house and when I asked what the friend's name is, he just tells me that he lives over there and nods in the vague direction. No, if ever when interacting with cops and your answer is to a question we didn't ask, we take notice of that. Anyway, the grandma and the little brother pull up. She tells me his real name. He tries to tell us that he doesn't know her and asks if we could walk him to his dad's house, but won't tell us where it is. The grandma gets out of the car, brings him his shoes, and says that his dad shouldn't have to deal with this shit at 4am. Neither should she, and neither should the police. The kid puts his shoes on, and after getting everyone's information, it turns out the story was that he was playing video games all night and keeping his brother up, got yelled at for it, and figured that he wasn't going to live there if he couldn't play Madden at all hours. Juvenile was returned to the Guardian. Two paragraph report. No muss, no fuss. Creepy part? The other officer and I stand around on the corner BSing for a minute or two before clearing the call when we hear the faintest noise. One of our local homeless has stepped out from a recessed doorway about 20 feet from our interaction with the runaway. He was there the whole time and almost escaped everyone's notice, even when walking away. Eli will call him, was mentally ill and resisted to all attempts to treat him. Thousand yard stare. He split his nights between couch surfing with relatives or on the streets. Frequent calls for him have involved masturbating in public, urinating, defecating in public, staring and following people, standing in traffic, Attacking store employees and the police when confronted for shoplifting. Eli says one word per week on average. That night, he looked right at us and said, Hello guys, it's a really nice night out tonight. Eli doesn't have a history of messing with kids specifically, but if we hadn't stopped that chubby kid, he would have turned down that side street right into Eli's path. Guy that's erratic, playing Phantom of the Ghetto, and doing an amazing job of it. Rare that two veteran cops get the cold water, but we did that night. Edit. Just checking up on it. Eli actually has incidents involving kids since then, including following young girls for blocks. This story happened in my early teenage years. I had a friend group of models and they asked me to go watch their show at a nightclub and just be supportive. If you are asking yourself how I managed to get into a nightclub at such a young age, the answer is very easily. I live in the Balkans and getting into clubs is extremely easy. I had one friend that was very sketchy and she invited a friend that was even worse to come to the club with us. My parents were always very trusting and have never once called me to get home or give me a curfew because I had never given them reasons not to trust me. We get to the club and right away the friend of my friend said that she has no money but not to worry because she would get free drinks for the three of us. 
I refused, as I already had money and already ordered a drink for myself. Not even 15 minutes passed of us being there, and I get a call from my dad asking me when I was coming home. I say I just got there and that the party barely started. What follows next is something I never expected. My dad yells at me to get home in the next 15 minutes or that he would have to drag me home himself. It was so weird, but as a young teen, the last thing you want is your dad picking you up from a party and everyone seeing him yell at you. So I hopped in the taxi and went home right away. Pretty good, right? The next day, I found out that both of my friends were forcefully taken from that club because they needed to pay back the money they took. The money for the drinks the girl mentioned. I'm not sure what happened to them, but that night they both said they didn't want to talk about it. The only thing I know is the girl asked for money from some guys and then went off the radar and wasn't seen for months. I have seen her since, but we no longer speak. So there you go, an almost creepy encounter, but not quite. To add, my dad didn't have a reason for me to come home. I think he was just in a bad mood or something. Often, I enjoy walking my dog at nighttime. This is due to the fact that my dog is harder to walk when people are around with their own dogs, so we tend to walk around parks in the area when they become somewhat secluded. I'm not a very big guy, I'm just about 5'10 and very lanky, so I wouldn't call myself an intimidating figure. However, my 120-pound black lab boxer mix named Loki would be somewhat considered threatening to most from what I hear. I figured his size would be used as a deterrent for anyone looking to cause nightly troubles. I was dead wrong. On one specific night in the fall of 2016, I could recall of an encounter that reminds me of why I'm so reluctant to walk around once daylight falls. This specific park is one I've been to a couple of times and from what I remember, this park is usually secluded around 6.30 and later. Aside from a couple of joggers or very few other dog walkers, not many people walk the same path that I take. I also like to put on my headphones and listen to music while I walk. But on this specific night, I chose not to wear them since my phone was on low battery and I wanted to preserve it as long as I could. The walk was going as usual. Loki did his business and we continued on our usual path. About midway on our walk, I realized that it had started to get really dark. Since he was done with his business, I decided to cut the walk somewhat short and we took a shortcut that kind of led us off the path. This path had a bunch of trees surrounding the area and there were still leaves on the branches. With that being said, I felt a weird feeling as if though I were being watched. I have pretty bad anxiety sometimes, but since I knew the town was safe, I knew that nothing was going to happen. But still, I could not for the life of me shake off the feeling of being watched. I peered back to see if anyone had been following me out of anxiety and every single time, no one was there. In fact, no one was anywhere. This whole shortcut was essentially secluded. Suddenly, Loki stopped walking and also looked back. I told him, Loki, come on boy, we gotta go. One thing I failed to mention was that Loki is a big coward. I noticed his tail was tucked between his legs, which is a telltale sign that a dog is afraid. I was also curious and a bit nervous, but I surely didn't want to find out what he heard or noticed. I just wanted to get out of there ASAP. 
I pulled a little and he began to walk, but every now and then I'd see him peer back. After maybe a minute or so of walking, he stopped again and this time he began to growl. Despite being a coward, Loki is a bark but no bite kind of dog, so I took this chance to see exactly what he was growling at. It was quite dark so I couldn't see well, so I used my phone's flashlight to see what was up. Trees. Just trees. What he heard was probably some kind of small animal. Once again, I turned around and kept walking. He continued to peer back once in a while still, but this time I noticed it was a lot more frequent. I just said to myself, It's just a squirrel. Maybe a bird. And I ignored it. Then I heard what appeared to be actual footsteps and branches breaking. There is absolutely no way a small animal could have produced a sound like that. Loki turned around quick and, still with his tail tucked, he began to growl and bark at a figure that I could only describe as a man in his early fifties, possibly late forties, appearing from out of the woods. He was dressed in dirty clothing. His hair was long and was graying. He had one hand in his pocket and he said to me, Nice dog you have there, kid. What breed is he? Um, he's a boxer lab. I replied, Oh, I love dogs. Mind if I pet him? He asked. The man got closer and emerged from the trees. As he got closer, I realized that he was quite tall and a bit burly. Loki instantly got bad vibes and he ran behind me and started to bark at him. Uh, actually, I do kind of mind. My dog here doesn't like strangers. Sorry, but... It's probably not best if you pet him, I quickly stated. It's okay, really. He seems like a friendly guy, just a little pet wouldn't harm him. The man retorted as he got closer. I felt extremely uncomfortable as he appeared to get closer and closer. I don't know why this guy couldn't take no for an answer. I mean, I usually don't allow people to pet Loki unless he comes up to them first. If he's scared of you then I usually do not want to freak him out by letting him be pet by a stranger. This is especially the case when said stranger came from the woods, behind a few trees. I'm really sorry, man. I'm scared he might bite you or something. I told him as he began to walk away. Like I said before, I wasn't trying to be judgmental or anything, but the dude came from the woods and was possibly the one trailing us from before. You know, I don't know why you just won't let me introduce myself to him. The guy replied angrily. This time I began to speed walk. I was very uncomfortable and my flight or fight instincts began to take over. He followed us and kept muttering curses to himself. I don't know if this man was under the influence of something, but he did not let up. I won't lie, I started to get a little angry. Why can't a guy just take no for an answer? He began to match my speed, almost as if he was trying to catch up to us. Loki and I both took this as an answer to start sprinting a bit. I don't remember much of the running, it was all just a blur to me, but I do remember the spine-tingling feeling of hearing his footsteps rapidly increasing behind me. For a man of his stature, he was incredibly fast. I also realized that his intentions may not have just been to pet my dog. No one reasonable would go that far just to pet a dog that clearly wanted nothing to do with him. I looked behind me and he was definitely in pursuit maybe only ten feet behind me, and he was literally chasing us. 
I'll never forget the look in his eyes. I've never had anyone look at me like that. A look of killer intent. And all for what? Just because he couldn't pet my dog. My instincts told me that he definitely had sinister intentions behind that gaze. And finally, the path led to the park exit and into the busier streets. I only lived about ten minutes away from the park, and when I looked back, the man was gone. In my mind, I honestly thought that I had lost him. I made doubly sure that no one else was following me, and I even made sure to walk on the populated streets. After what seemed like an eternity, we got home, but I knew for a fact that I was not going to get a minute of sleep. From my window in the porch, I walked all night with Loki, just to see if anyone had followed us home. I also made a police report with my parents. After all, this guy seemed to have been quite suspicious, and who knows what his true intentions were. Had his target been someone who couldn't protect themselves or run away, what would he have done? I also often ask myself, what if I had worn my headphones and the sound of music drowned the footsteps behind me? Ever since, I haven't walked Loki in that park. I've also made it a habit of mine to walk on more, livelier streets at night. If I could give anyone one piece of advice, even if you live in a relatively safe town, don't ever let your guard down. You never know what kind of person might be lurking in the shadows. This happened literally a month ago, back in February, when my boyfriend and I had decided to try out an open relationship for a little while for various reasons. We live separately in one of the larger cities in the north of middle America, and there's a decently sized population of college students, like me, to keep the gay community fresh, so I was doing pretty well for myself. One night I was bored and scrolling through Grindr, looking for an easy hookup when I got a message from a guy who was barely 800 feet away. He wasn't terrible looking, and I was a little desperate, so I agreed to go to his place. He lives quite literally down the street from me. I can see his building from my window, so I walked over and he let me up and into his apartment. We made small talk and I mentioned where I lived. Heck, I even pointed out my window from one of the windows in the stairwell. From the first get-go, I thought that there was something off about the guy. Not necessarily bad, just very different. An odd twitch in his hands when he gripped the banister the vacancy of his eyes when he smiled. I'm not so cliche as to say he felt evil or anything like that, but I wasn't exactly surprised that after he got to his apartment, the first thing he did was to tell his very pretty and friendly cat to say hello, and the second thing he did was walk over to the kitchen counter, grab a needle, and shoot up. I hadn't even closed the door behind me. I stood there, staring, and he turned around, Dropped the needle on the counter and went, Oh, should have asked. You cool with that? I am not a good Christian boy. I have broken into a church while tripping on LSD. I've had intimate relationship on a headstone back in high school, but I have my standards. So I shook my head mutely, pulled my hat back on, and opened the door to leave. The guy rushed over and put a hand on my shoulder. Yo, I'm sorry. You don't gotta go, we, well, we don't gotta do anything. Do you wanna watch Transformers 3 with me or something? Nope. 
I said bluntly, hustling away down the stairs. I bundled up my scarf against the early February chill and hurried back down the street to my apartment. He followed me downstairs, barefoot, in pajama pants and a t-shirt, until I stepped outside into the whipping winds. I turned back briefly to look after a moment and he was still standing there in the doorway, watching me. I didn't have any premonitions of doom or weirdness. I grew up in Missouri. Junkies barely register as odd to me by this point, so I went home and went to bed. Now you might have guessed it, but I'd never seen this dude around the neighborhood before. Truthfully, I hadn't seen most of the neighbors because my neighborhood is an odd mixture of white-collar suburbia, college housing, and low-income housing like my Paramours building, all on one street. So it didn't really register when I started seeing him more. I would leave for work in the afternoon and he'd be on the other avenue across from my building, strolling along, or he'd cut across my building's parking lot like all the kids in the neighborhood did. A couple of times I saw him walking across the campus mall, my apartment building is directly adjacent to my campus, but he'd always swerve to avoid me. Once or twice I'd notice him in the grocery store I worked at as a barista, but it's the only one within walking distance and he mentioned he didn't have a car. This went on for the entire month of February. Eventually I started noticing. He'd always be walking down the street opposite my building when I left for work at my usual time and he was only ever at the store when I was working. He'd never approach the coffee stand within the store, where I work, but he'd look at me. A couple of times I noticed him enter, look at me, pretend to shop, and leave without buying anything. I was starting to feel creeped out, but he hadn't done anything yet to make me feel particularly unsafe. One day, late February, I worked an early shift. When I got off, I felt a little crazy from lack of sleep, and I reached my place about 20 minutes before I usually leave for work and on the corner of the sidewalk opposite me was the guy. He was checking his watch over and over and looking up. I did a bit of brilliant deductive analysis and followed his gaze up to my living room window, and then I looked back down at him. He looked right at me. There was a moment of tension as we stared at each other in the eyes. Like I said, this dude didn't give off any evil or dark vibes. I've met people that do that. No. What I saw in this guy's eyes in his face, was much more human and much scarier. Desperation, loneliness, pain, and anger. He hurried after me, but I'm 6'3 and a former sprinter, whereas he was a 5'8 junkie wearing flip-flops on ice. I made it to the first set of doors to my apartment, scanned myself in through the second, and locked them behind me. He walked through the unlocked first set, tried to open the second, tried pushing the handicap button to open them, and then gave up. Look, man, I'm sorry, he shouted, laying a hand on the glass of the door. Can we just talk about it? I shook my head. Absolutely not. Leave me alone. Then I whirled on my heel and stomped over to the elevator. When I turned back, he was gone out into the snow. I didn't see him for a couple of weeks afterwards, which is nice because my boyfriend likes to walk down the street past the dude's apartment when he stays over and needs to go smoke. One night, my boyfriend was over at my place. He'd just gone out to smoke before we went to bed, and he mentioned that he wanted me to come with him the next time he went out. Why? I asked, pulling him in close to me while he shivered. It's dark and cold, and 
I get paranoid out there sometimes, he mumbled in my chest. There's this creepy dude that sometimes stands in the corner across the way and just stares at the building. One time he asked me for a cig and I told him I didn't have one when I had one literally in my hand. He laughed, kissed my chin and passed out. I laid there awake, troubled. When I was sure my boyfriend was deeply asleep, meaning after about five minutes had passed, I extricated myself and went to the window. It was a cold, clear night. I could see across the street under the orange glow of the streetlight was the guy. I couldn't make him out clearly, but when he saw me, he waved. I flicked him off and closed the blinds. I didn't feel like I should tell my boyfriend because he was either going to immediately go to the police, which I hate doing, or he'd try and defend me. And while I love him with my entire heart, I don't want to watch a fight between a junkie stalker and my underweight nicotine-addicted boyfriend, so I kept it to myself and still haven't told him. But I did start accompanying him when he went out to smoke. The guy was usually outside. Sometimes he'd follow us for a bit before ducking away down a side street. Sometimes he'd watch from a distance. Sometimes he'd be up in his apartment. My boyfriend never noticed. I kept my composure and nothing happened. One night, though, we went out so my boyfriend could smoke, like normal. When we'd reached the end of the street and turned around, the stalker was behind us, about 50 feet back. I turned my head to check, and there he was. He waved at me, and something told me I had to get back inside. Hey, babe, I said quietly to my boyfriend. Let's get back inside, yeah? I'm cold. Ah, baby, he said, kissing me on the cheek. Okay, I'm almost done anyway. We walked back to the apartment building and without turning I knew that the stalker was behind us the entire time. I kept my hand intertwined with my boyfriend's and kept up the casual conversation we'd been having about how I hate geese. We got back up to my apartment and he got changed for bed while I grabbed some water. So I've never lived in an apartment before and I don't know if it's odd or not but this building has a wired telephone to each unit that rings when someone wants let in. Ours never rings unless it's Uber Eats, so my boyfriend was surprised when it started ringing late at night when neither of us had ordered anything. Probably just some idiot playing a prank, I said, unhooking the phone from the wall and putting it in the kitchen cabinet. He accepted that without a struggle and we lay down in bed. After he was soundly out, I got up, got dressed and grabbed a couple of things and headed downstairs in my thick winter coat. Sure enough, my fanboy was out there, in the parking lot. He waved at me and jogged over, smiling broadly. Hey man, what do you want? I said flatly. Look man, I feel like we ended things awkwardly last time and I just wanted to talk to you. He said. So you stalked me? What? He started to look angrier, his brows furrowing. No, man, I didn't stalk you. I just wanted to know when I could talk to you, but you always avoid me. Now you're walking around out here with that skinny little baby boy trying to rub it in my face, and I don't appreciate that at all. Look, man, he said, smiling again, stepping closer. You want to go talk about this back in my place? Ditch the white boy and come hang out with me tonight. Please? I won't shoot up or nothing this time. 
He took another step closer to me. I saw on his right hand a dully gleaming piece of metal, a folded up switchblade. He smiled at me, and I stepped back, shaking my head. His smile drained away into a deep scowl. Listen, I'm done asking. You're going to come over to my place now and finish what we started. He growled, unfolding the knife and pointing it at me. This dude was 5'8 tops and skinny. I'm 6'3, 200 pounds, and I regularly lift weights. Also, I had a 12-inch kitchen knife, which I drew from my coat pocket and leveled at his throat. He looked at my knife and then back at his and smiled. Bro, bro, I was just playing. We don't gotta... We can just talk right here, bro. I don't... Leave me and my boyfriend alone. I said very quietly. Or I will cut your face off and eat it. What? I spent eight years in juvie for stabbing a kid in middle school. I lied. He backed up, putting the knife back in his pocket. I took a step closer, holding my knife level. He backed away quickly, almost falling on the ice until he was fully sprinting back to his place and I was chasing him down with my knife until he crossed the street and I stopped. Slid the knife in my pocket and watched him run back to his building. Then I went back up to my bedroom, told my boyfriend I just had to go use the bathroom and fell asleep. When I was around six or seven years old, my mom took me to a family gathering in the province. We live in the Philippines. Now, if you guys don't know how it works here, family gatherings in our country meant a feast for the entire family, including cousins, second cousins, grandparents, great-grandparents, aunts and uncles, etc. Safe to say it was an overcrowded party in a small rural setup in the province. Anyways, so the venue where it was held was owned by my mom's second cousin's kin. I remember walking around in a sea of people I barely know when I saw a small hut. It was tiny, fit for about just one to two people. It was old, made of straw and bamboo and looked very unkempt. I asked one of the other kids about it. He said their grandfather lived there and that he was not to be bothered as he was old and cranky. So I went off and did my own thing and I found myself playing near the aforementioned hut. As I was playing, the door slowly opened. It was dark inside, but I could hear someone saying, Psst. Psst. And an old thin man with long gray hair appeared and gestured to me to come near him. He was topless and wearing just boxer shorts that seemed too loose for him. I slowly moved toward the hut and I saw that he was on his bed, and he was patting the bed as if to tell me to sit beside him. I immediately got freaked out and ran away. And as I ran, I could hear the door squeak close and then shut. I didn't think anything of it afterward, but later on, after reuniting with some of my relatives, they mentioned that their grandfather, the old creepy guy, was known to do terrible things to children in their province. He would lure kids into his hut with toys or offers to play, and once they were in, he'd shut them in, touch them inappropriately or worse. He did this to the neighborhood kids and even to his own grandchildren. Apparently he thought it was his way of showing affection, so no one bothered to say anything until many years later when he passed away. I hope he rots in hell for what he did, and in hindsight, I'm glad I got spooked 
and ran away. Several years ago, I was using a dating app. It was all fun and games. Sometimes I met some people for hookups, sometimes I didn't. And most of the time I didn't even reply to those who only sent me certain types of pictures unsolicited. One day, this guy shot me a message on there. He was and is four years younger than me, meaning he was 18 at the time when I was 22. I didn't really consider him my type, but at the same time, I also didn't think it would hurt to get to know him. I mean, looks are just looks, and there have been plenty of times where I fell for a guy not for looks, but for personality. So maybe that could have been the case too. I just came out of a pretty toxic relationship that involved lots of cheating and trust issues and insecurities, so I wasn't really looking for a new relationship, but it did feel good to get positive attention from guys. We started texting back and forth, nothing out of the ordinary, but I realized pretty soon that the part of his personality that he let me experience consisted of nothing more than, let's hook up. And look, I'm not trying to shame, because I wasn't that opposed to it. As I said, I just had a nasty breakup and was just looking for some fun. So I said yes, we exchanged numbers, agreed on a date, time, and place, and then we went back to our normal lives for now. I had a lot going on at that time. It was only a few months until I moved to a different place, so I already started planning for all that and... Not just that, but a friend of mine invited me to come with them on a trip to Amsterdam, which obviously had to be prepared as well since that trip was scheduled two weeks before I was supposed to move. Therefore, it comes to no surprise that I kind of forgot about the guy. Until the day we were supposed to meet up. He texted me a few hours earlier if we were still clear. After I scolded myself for forgetting, I told him that we were meeting as planned, even though that would throw my schedule off a little. So, I got ready for the date, and I kid you not, not even an hour before we were supposed to meet, he cancelled. I mean, not too big of a deal. It happens that you can't always make it, so we scheduled another day, which he proceeded to cancel as well. Cancellation after cancellation, week after week, seven different dates. Each time it allegedly was a sick relative or pet. So clearly I took that as he didn't really want to meet me which would be fine, I'm not everyone's type either, and he could have at least had the decency to not lead me on then. So I told him off about his stupid behavior and blocked him. Maybe that was a little of an overreaction, but I just didn't want to waste my time with a guy that seemingly always found excuses to meet me. When I could focus on either the moving process, the vacation process, or with another guy who was actually interested. But then, he messages me on the dating app. How dare I block him? He wanted to meet me, but that I was just unappreciative and called me all sorts of expletives. Obviously, after that I blocked him on the app as well. I thought that I had heard the last of him, so I went on with my days. I already started forgetting him after a few weeks. And then another account messaged me, fake pictures and all, but it didn't take long for me to figure out it was him. He basically admitted it in the first day, so another block followed. Another account, another block. Day after day. I thought, what even was going on? He didn't want to meet me first, and now he creates new accounts on the daily to contact me? So I just had enough, and wanted to tell him off again when he started to apologize for his behavior, that he was in the wrong, and that he was willing to meet me if I was willing to still meet him. Trust me, I really wanted to blow him off, but in my mind, 
If I just met him and was really bad at hooking up or something, he'd just never contact me again. Stupid, but hey, it was worth a try in my mind. So we scheduled a meeting a few days before I was supposed to leave for the trip to Amsterdam, which I stupidly told him about. And since I didn't have a car, he offered to come to my place. Now, I would never ever give a stranger from the internet my address, but back then, I did. I mean, he couldn't possibly be a creep, right? So we met. He came into my house, we sat down on my bed, exchanged basic pleasantries, and then he stopped talking altogether. He didn't even look at me. Just to be safe, I wasn't a catfish, I looked exactly like I did in the pictures I had in the app. Only when I asked him something, he would reply with very few words. Until I asked him directly about if we hooked up or not. Then he suddenly started kissing me and, well, I don't have to go into detail. So when he finished, he just sat next to me, staring at the wall, not saying a word. At this point, I was pretty annoyed. I mean, I get being shy and all, but if it's that intense, how did you muster the courage to go on to a hookup? Anyway, after I went to the bathroom to freshen up, I told him my roommates would be back soon, so he jumped up and said goodbye and left. I got no other messages from him after. Flash forward to my trip to Amsterdam. My friend, Joe, and I had lots of fun roaming through the streets of Amsterdam day and night, relaxing in our pretty fancy hotel and doing the usual stuff that tourists do. One day, we were just walking down a very busy road, very close to the main train station, when suddenly I heard a car honk loudly next to us. The traffic light was on red, so the person wasn't driving. I thought nothing of it and didn't even look until the guy started calling me by name. That voice was very familiar and the face that belonged to it was still in my memory. It was my hookup. When I looked back, he smiled widely and called out for me to come over, and... but when he saw Joe, who at that point asked me who that was, the smile faded. I was dumbstruck, so I didn't say anything, but that wasn't necessary. The traffic light just turned green. People started getting agitated that my hookup wouldn't immediately go, so finally he focused on the road again and drove off. That was one heck of a coincidence, right? That he would be in Amsterdam at the same time. But why wouldn't he say so when I told him my plans? If he didn't want me to know, why call out to me in the middle of a busy road? I didn't allow my mind to think about him intentionally going there to find me. That was impossible. He wasn't interested in me anyway, right? Back at home, my phone started to blow up. Calls, angry texts, new profiles... Didn't matter that I told him to stop. Didn't matter that I threatened to block him. He told me that I was terrible for going out with another guy despite being in a relationship with him. That I was just like everyone else. That he deserved better than me. And then, he said that he had just been coming to Amsterdam for me. To surprise me. When I tell you I changed my number and deleted the dating app quicker than I possibly could have dreamt of, I mean I sprinted to my car drove to the closest shop to get a new number. Not long after, I moved into the new place. I had two new roommates that were both in the same college courses I was in. We got along fine and the house was pretty big. One of my roommates inherited it from her mom. The moving went smoothly. I didn't get another text. I didn't get any messages on social media and he didn't show up to my old place. Eventually, a few months go by. I basically had forgotten again. For more context, the house was in a village, not even a small town, but a village. There were no shops, no nothing. 
Shopping, we'd have to do in the next town that was approximately four miles away. My room was on the ground floor. The window of that room was right next to the entrance door when you were looking at the house from the outside. And right beside my room outside was the carport. The ground was covered in gravel and once anyone moved, the light of the carport would turn on. It was a pretty hot summer day so I sometimes slept with my window open. I wasn't that afraid because, once again, it was a small village and barely anybody would drive through here. So one night I was just sleeping, even had my back turned towards the window, and then I started to hear someone walking on the gravel towards my window. Immediately I turned around of course and I saw a guy walking past my window, though he didn't look inside. He walked to the mailbox and seemed to throw something inside, then he left again. I was stunned for a few seconds, but at least it wasn't a murderer I thought. So as soon as I could move, I closed the window, and kept it closed each night from that point onward. This actually happened in a few nights, that someone would walk to our mailbox in the middle of the night, but nothing was ever inside, at least that I knew of. It was weird, but maybe one of my roommates were receiving something personal that they just didn't want to share. Cut to a few nights later, I was minding my own business when I suddenly heard some gravel again. My roommates had just gone to bed about half an hour ago, and I didn't hear anyone leave, so I thought it was just the mailbox guy. But this time, he didn't walk to the mailbox. He just walked to the carport. I know that because the light immediately turned on. I texted my roommates about a guy in a carport. One of my roommates, Sarah, who had a room across the hallway from mine, while Mary, the other roommate, had hers upstairs, texted back into our group chat that we'd meet with weapons at the bottom of the stairs to investigate. I grabbed scissors I had in my room and went to our meeting point. Turns out my weapons were the most useful since Mary came downstairs with a ukulele and Sarah thought an empty plastic bottle would suffice. After laughing at the absurdity of our weapons choice, we started getting back in serious mode, going to the side door that led to the carport. Sarah looked through the window of said door but didn't see anyone. The light was turned off too. Just in that moment, we heard someone tampering with our mailbox again. Not gonna lie, I probably peed my pants a little bit. Immediately, we ran to the front door, opened it, and looked outside. But there was no one, at least not that we could see. After a look in the mailbox, which was empty, of course, we went back inside. Not even two minutes later, I got a text from an unknown number, saying how cute I looked in my nightgown, that no makeup made me look even prettier. He hoped that I'd come out alone so we could have some fun together like before I moved, but he was sad to find two other people with me. Needless to say that none of us slept that night. The police were called immediately and did a sweep, but no one was found on the property. He didn't exactly say it, but I know it was that guy, so I filed a report the next day. Nothing really happened with it, but since nothing else happened like that, I thought he got the message when we called the police. Sometimes I still get messages from an unknown number, but they're pretty harmless and don't really bother any further when I ignore them. But the fear in the back of my mind, that one day he would come back, stays of course. In the meantime, I've taken up self-defense classes. I was living in Abu Dhabi when this happened and I was 17 years old at the time. I've had a number of experiences from taxi drivers out there that could fit on this sub, but 
This one was by far the worst and creepiest I'd like to share it with you all. It was Boxing Day 2012 and I was going to my friend's house for his Boxing Day party. He lived in a compound that was a bit of a drive off the island itself and although not rural suburbs by most standards, this area could be classed as such. These residential suburbs were also still mostly in development. Every block had a new building site, plenty of empty shells of houses, no security cameras at the time, etc. There were no pavements either, just rubble and sand patches split by tarmac roads. Now taxis in the UAE are crazy common. You just put your hand out and one pulls up. And back then there was less security. There were no cameras or mics in the car, just the meter. I hailed the cab and sat in the front, as a result of a past experience I had, and we set on our way there. Things start normally. We talk as I normally would getting into a cab. How long you've lived here, do you enjoy the place, etc. Eventually we're on the highway after we cross the water to the mainland. He pulls over on the hard shoulder and without saying a word to me, pulls out his phone and calls someone. He's speaking his native tongue and he's of South Asian descent so I have no clue what he's saying but I ask him politely to continue driving as the meter is still on. He nods, hangs up and gets going again. This happens a second time, again without word or warning, and now I'm suspicious. This time I ask him again to keep going, but he ignores me and keeps talking on the phone. We're on the highway, so I can't get out for fear of going splat, not being able to hail a cab or being jacked for jaywalking. After a few minutes, he gets going again and we pull off the highway still heading the direction I needed to be. We reach the first roundabout where we need to make a right turn, but he goes straight. Everyone knows where this compound is. It's the biggest one in the city, and as a cab driver, there's no chance he doesn't know how to get there. So now I'm even more suspicious, and I kind of have a feeling of trepidation, like I know this vibe and what might be happening. I ask him to turn around at the next roundabout, but he ignores me. Now I'm getting agitated and angry and I ask him to just stop the car and I'll get out and walk. Nope. He literally just ignored me and kept focusing on the road. At this point I'm shouting at him, numerous expletives, etc. and it's clear that he's got something else planned. Eventually he pulls off the main road onto a dirt track that led a couple of hundred yards into a massive building site and he keeps driving down it. He then turns to me and tells me to get into the back seat and repeats this in an increasingly forceful manner to the point where we're shouting at each other. At the end of the dirt track is an old little minibus with roughly five dudes stood next to it. I don't notice this immediately. All I care about is that the car has stopped and I'm in the front so I can get out. I'm not locked in. Inexplicably, I threw some money at him. I don't know and jumped out of the car with my bag and started walking away, jogging back down the track. I can only imagine that the earlier phone calls he made were to these minibus men, as when I started getting away, they jumped in the minibus and drove down to catch me, as the taxi turns around and does the same. They all pull up in front of me, like police do in the movies when they stop a bank robber and jump out. The taxi driver runs right up to me, grabs me and screams point-blank at my face to get in the bus. I can still smell and feel the damp heat from his breath as it touched my face and the little bits of spit hitting my cheeks. This honestly just enraged me so much that I grabbed him by the throat and pushed him against his car. I screamed something back at him, I don't remember what, and let go. 
They all get their phones out and started calling and messaging and moving towards me, so I just got out of there as fast as I could, running all the way down and back onto the main road and went to my mates on foot. I know I should have taken the number plate, ID number, etc., called the police even when I was in the cab, let alone after it happened. However, I was a 17-year-old with a bottle of Jack Daniels in my bag on the way to a party with all my mates drinking in a Muslim country with a drinking age of 21. The paranoia of trouble from that was enough to keep it quiet from the authorities, although I did tell every family member and friend. So yeah, if I could never meet you and your little minibus posse again, that would be great. This was about 20 years ago. Me and a bunch of my friends went to a popular campground by the beach to spend the night, rural coastal area. When we arrived, there was a pile of chopped wood about 2 meters high. It was a bit of a bizarre novelty, so we had fun climbing on it and building our fire out of something that wasn't twigs. There's even a candid picture of my friends up there. So we went to set up our tents, lit a fire with ease, smoked weed, and drank, as you do in your early 20s. We went home the next day. It may have been a few days later, or maybe a week, I can't remember, but the police discovered a body of a missing young woman under the woodpile. The murderer had killed her, chopped up all the wood, driven about an hour, dumped her body, and then dumped the wood on top of her. Turned out that she had been there for about 24 hours by the time we were climbing and playing on the woodpile. I can't remember her name now, which makes me feel bad, and Google doesn't help. Her murder was brought to justice at least. Anyways, I think about it from time to time, even though it's been a while. I was camping in the dead of winter in the northeast with my scout troop. It was only about 20 degrees out at night. I usually wake up a few times over the night on these abnormally cold ones, but this time I woke up sweating, which was unusual. And when I sat up, I heard something rustling not too far away from my tent. Me, being one of the oldest, got out of my tent to investigate. I had a knife, a hatchet, and a flashlight. I heard something crash, but didn't see anyone. I checked the five tents around me, and everybody was asleep. I checked the 15 little scout tents, and everyone was there. I checked the adult tents, and everyone was there too. It freaked me out so much that I didn't sleep for the rest of the night. In the morning, when I left my tent, I checked the snow around my area, and there were footprints of boots bigger than mine, all around my tent, and around the shrubs near it. There was also a huge spot in the snow where you could tell that someone dove down and hid behind the shrubs. Needless to say, there was someone that I didn't know who had bigger feet than I and all the scouts and leaders, and it was in our campsite. I always set lunch for one hour now and do campsite sweeps from now on. Edit. When I checked the tents, it took me about five minutes, and there were snow and sticks everywhere so there's no way anybody could have got into their tent without me seeing. I was out with my girlfriend Sunday evening for a walk in the park. I suggested we try a new way. 
The entrance of the park was a narrow trail with tall grass on both sides leading deeper into the woods. After a few minutes walking, we noticed a tall man wearing a white tank top and shorts standing alone on the trail looking at us. I whispered to my girlfriend, that's not creepy at all, and proceeded to take a different path in the forks ahead of us. We continued down the trail that ended up taking us down in this narrower path with trees on both sides. As we were walking in a single file line, girlfriend leading the way, I heard something like a branch snap behind us, which made me stop and listen. I shortly concluded that it was just an animal or a coincidence. It was starting to get nearly pitch black, so we had turned on our flashlights on our phones and decided to head back before it got too dark. I was walking in front now, and it just took a few steps before I was face to face with the guy with a white tank top. He was sneaking behind us with no lights on, following us in the dark. I shined my lights towards him, and he looked like a deer in headlights, like someone had caught him red-handed. My fist was instinctively clenched, and I had a real bad feeling about him. I was sure it was going to go south, and I was ready to fight. As we approached to go past him, he said, Good evening. I replied with a confident good evening to show him no fear, and we continued our way back. I looked back after a few steps, and he was just standing there at the spot that we crossed him, and he was looking in our direction. I told my girlfriend to get in front and we ran the fuck back to the exit and got in our car. Relieved, we were talking about what just happened and realized the intensity of it. A few minutes later, we see the man walk out of the trails fast. I don't know what he was hiding there or what was at the end of the trail, but I'm lucky we turned back fast. We both felt bad vibes from him and I believe he was up to no good. Stranger in the woods, let's not meet again. So I want to share this creepy encounter with you guys. About four years ago, my wife and I planned an evening out for her birthday. My parents babysat and we went out to a restaurant. Because I drove, I didn't drink, so we didn't bother to go anywhere else after we were done in the restaurant. But because the night was still young, we decided to take a long drive. A location which is relatively nearby is a large national park. We decided to take a drive up there and sit and chat under the stars. When we arrived there, the country roads were dead. I found a nice open parking area to pull the car up in. We started making out and things carried on until we began having sex. At no point did either of us leave the car. As we were doing the deed, headlights lit up our vehicle. Instantly we were like, oh god, there's somebody driving by. I hope they don't see what we're doing. For me, it was an instant turnoff, so I quickly pulled up my trousers and ceased. I thought the car was just a fellow traveler passing by, but to our surprise, the car pulled into our area and began circling us. I put the keys in the ignition and said, let's go. I drove out of the car parking area onto the road back to the main connected road. The car followed. Once we were on the main connecting road, we could see the make, model, and color of the car that was now following us. It was a dark red Ford. I drove quickly, but not recklessly. The car matched my speed and was right up my ass. 
Neither of us were 100% sure if we were just being paranoid or if this car was really meaning to follow us. So I said, I know what I'll do. I'll pull off at some random turning to see what they'll do. So I put my foot down and after a few hundred yards down the main road, I made a late left turn down a narrow side lane. I pulled up after a while on the side road, stopped and turned off my headlights and watched in the rearview mirror to see if the red Ford carried on straight on the main road or if it turned off. After a few seconds, there he was. He had turned off and is now coming down the narrow lane towards us again. At first we were blinded by the headlights, but I was sure it was him. My wife said, I don't think it is the same car, you know? I said, it is, it is, look. As he got closer, it became apparent that it was the same car, so I drove further and further, and I luckily found a big space enough to turn my car around. I spun around and back on the main road again. He followed. Now back on the main road for the second time, I now decided to speed. As I was heading towards the built-up city center, he kept behind me the whole way. Eventually, we stopped at a red light, and he was right behind. I looked in my rearview mirror and saw his face. To this day, I can still remember his face. A middle-aged, slightly tubby man with glasses and thin gray hair. At this point, I was freaked out. We both were. I said to my wife, I'm going to keep driving and try to lose him. But I'm not driving home, so he doesn't know where we live. She agreed. We drove around for maybe another 10 minutes. He was still following. At this point, I was beginning to consider the possibility of calling the cops, but I thought I would give it a few more minutes of trying to lose him. Thankfully, a few streets later, he turned off and was never seen again. I know it's a real possibility that he may have been a dogger. Not sure if this is a thing in America, but it's basically where strangers meet other strangers in the wilderness to have sex. But if he was a dogger, or thought we were doggers, then surely he would have understood that we weren't interested when we actively drove away. The fact that he followed us into a built-up city for 25 minutes or more makes me think that he had more sinister intentions. What do you think? To this day, it's still the wildest moment of my life.